And okay. so is Correct too. Call him out on that as well. He made the race council. He play. He farms potatoes too. He does both of those. Has, has he done an interview on your show yet? No, not yet. He's next. <laughs> took 10 episodes but Korek is next welcome to the spoiler log and a link to the past randomizer podcast i'm your host dante and there's not too much news going on just you know tark admin applications are being voted on by the community i'm looking forward to seeing the outcome of this i'm looking forward to somewhat resting and enjoying the game again uh i i want to say up front whoever wins this i want to wish them the best i'll be a support to anyone in there or any group of people in there and i hope that uh you know the community gets stronger through all this but today's guest is correct and i'm really excited about this i was excited he was going to come on the show uh we initially were going to have this interview when i decided i was going to leave the council and that was during a lot of the turmoil that was ongoing. We kind of referenced that a bit. And I, <laughs> it just took a different turn uh, as far as like, you know, once everything happened and Tark popped up, I, I asked him, I was like, you still want to do this? And he said, yeah, sure. And I was really glad that he did. So uh, yeah, let's jump right on into the interview. On today's episode of the Spoiler Log, we have Korek joining us. How's it going, Korek? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I uh, can't complain. Um, you know, when I reached out to you to do this, uh, it was kind of maybe a little bit of the an additional passing of the torch with the Racing Council. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> things have kind of changed, but uh, we'll probably maybe touch on that in a bit. But uh I guess like let's let's just rewind very far back. Um, tell me about your gaming history and you know what gaming was to you either growing up in college. Sure, yeah. Um, I started gaming pretty young, uh, even though I'm an old guy now. I started uh, really young. <laughs> but, uh, believe it or not, my first, if you want to call it console, it really wasn't a console, but uh, my my dad bought. It was called the TI ninety nine A home computer, like Texas Instruments. Okay. And it had a it had a you know a, a few games on there, um, but it was it was very much like a Commodore sixty four type of thing, um, so you know not very high tech. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe even you know it's like adjacent to the Atari twenty six hundred, but maybe a little bit better than that. But you know that's that's the era we're talking. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe when I was like, it's hard to remember, like six or so. I started. I got a NES for Christmas. Um, and that was, you know, the the big thing. I I remember it, it was a you know Duck Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers cartridge, and I don't know how long I only had that, but man, I played a lot of Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. Um, <laughs> and then it just went from there. You know, I I uh, I remember my first video game purchase I did for myself was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that was incredibly difficult and, un oh you know, my God, yes. unwinnable. Like that was, I, I saved my dollar a week allowance for a year and bought that and just got my <laughs> face rolled and, you know, 
but yeah, it was a good time, you know. Um, but yeah, then through that, I got, I got on Super Nintendo, you know, or later in elementary school. Um, got into PC gaming a lot when I was in high school. Um, I, I kind of set the console stuff uh, back burner for a while. I was playing a lot of like strategy games, like turn-based strategy. Got into like Civilization. Started with Civilization Two, all the way now to Civilization Six. Um, oh wow! Okay. So, you know, I, I got back into console a little bit um, in college. I got a GameCube then, uh, which you know had had a lot of bangers on it, even though it was a not the popular console at the time. But yeah, I, I've played a lot of like strategy RPG over the course of my life, and you know. As far as Link to the Past goes, it was definitely one of my favorite games on the Super Nintendo. I played played the heck out of it when I was a kid. Like, yeah, uh, you know, even my parents who don't know video games that well, um, my mom couldn't recognize the music just because she heard it from my room so often as a kid. <laughs> so that's yeah. pretty good. So so I guess like were you drawn? To, I mean, do you, you probably don't remember. You may have been too young, but like did the Zelda game draw you in because of like the story, the adventure? Because uh, there's some strategy to it, I guess, but not not too terrible, terribly much strategy, I guess. Yeah, it, it's hard to say. Um, I I definitely got had the first Legend of Zelda for the NES, and I was definitely obsessed with that. So, so a few little stories about that one is um, I r- distinctly remember like trying to find the secrets myself. Like I would go on and off every screen, burning every single bush that you could, like just one <laughs> at a time. Like I was, you know, bombing every wall piece one at a time. Like it was insane what I was doing looking back, but like I just wanted to find stuff, you know? So like, and then I also remember this just came to me. I didn't even prep this one, but uh, so, you know, you do a lot of little like weird stuff as a kid, like arts and crafts things. I remember going through, like if you watch the Legend of Zelda title screen, it plays the, the awesome music and then it just goes through the story and then it shows all the items. Like right. it scrolls all the items. Right. And I remember like just writing down all the items. I made like little paper cutout versions of every single item in the game. Wow. I, I mean, I had to be like, I don't know, seven, eight years old. I, it's hard to say exactly what. But yeah, I had like little paper cutout versions <laughs> colored in, you know, like whatever of every single item in the game. Like I was obsessed with uh, the Nintendo uh, Legend of Zelda. And then I guess I kind of just like, hey, here's another Legend of Zelda. OK, let's let's go let's go with that. Let's, let's play that some. And yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome actually. I mean, so (laughs) I guess the one that left the most impression on you in a way was Zelda one. Uh, you know, if it, if it drew you in that much to, to make the cutouts, I think that's, that's kind of unique. Um, you don't, you don't hear that very often as far as like (laughs) getting getting involved with the arts and crafts side, just to that. I think that's, I think it's great. Yeah, like, but, I, like uh, I remember the shield. I put a, like a little back on the shield so I could hold it from behind. So like you know, I mean it, you know it was a it was a lot of stuff going on there. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I mean, me as an adult finding randomizer and then you know getting into making like perler things with my wife occasionally and then made the entire item set. And I'm like, man, you know, <laughs> young me would be going bananas right now if if he knew this was on the wall. But right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So were there any other like Super Nintendo titles, I guess, you know, it's kind of the, the, the best retro console. I guess I could probably say that without getting in too much trouble. Um, at least in this community it is. Uh, but were there any other big titles besides, you know, link to the past on that console that really drew you in? 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, RPGs. I guess it's like my RPG experience is kind of weird. I have like a little weird selection of RPGs I owned versus those that I, you know, I knew about or like rented or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I I had uh, Illusion of Gaia and Secret of Evermore. Um, I had uh, Super Mario RPG was a huge one. Um, I played played a lot of that. Uh, now, as far as like Final Fantasy goes, like I I eventually ended up like obsessed with Final Fantasy four uh, or two at the time. But right. I, I never actually owned them when I was like young. I rented them. Maybe uh, played hooky like, oh, mom, I'm sick. I can't go to school um, because I only had, you know, two days to play it. So, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, like but I, I love the RPGs uh, on Super Nintendo. And I, I mean, I still love that style of RPG today. Like, you know, one of the more recent ones I enjoyed, Octopath Traveler, for instance. Um, I don't really jive that well with the newer like action RPG uh, style Final Fantasy or, or those types of sure. RPGs, but like a good turn-based one, yeah, I still still enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm someone I know this is sacrilege, but I haven't played you know the Final Fantasy two or the Final Fantasy four like from Super Nintendo, so I'm assuming those are like complete turn-based. Like I, I know uh, maybe you've played this one. Uh, I did Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, and I know that one was just literal turn-based. There was not like any action to that or like a bar filling up. Uh, for like an ATB gauge or something. Yeah, so final they they have a uh, active time battle systems for for both of them. They're, they're slightly different. Um, okay. Like, and obviously when I was a kid, I, I I didn't really know much about how it all worked. But well, I got into the Final Fantasy IV randomizer a couple years ago for like maybe a year or so, and like it's a pretty crazy system and how you like manage all of that if you're like trying to play it competitively, but. Um, Back then, it's, you know, just, hey, this sure. guy seems to act more often than this guy. Okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to take note of, like, the speed stat uh, <laughs> yeah. way back when. Exactly. Um, so so tell me, like, I'm going to jump ahead. Tell me tell me a little bit about the Final Fantasy IV rando, because I know there's a little bit of overlap with some folks. But I also know that, like, obviously, it's not quite as popular, uh, say, as, like, say, Link to the Past rando. Um, what is what is that scene like uh, compared to, say, the scene of A Link to the Past? That's a great question. Um, it, so, I guess in your experience. I, yeah. I'm not expecting you to be an expert on that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I have been removed from it for a couple of years for the most part. I mean, I was very uh, involved, I would say, for maybe around, you know, 12 to 18 months as a, as a pretty active player. But um, that was a couple of years ago at this point. But uh, when I was there, so... It might tie into later conversations we have, or, or maybe not, but um, the admin interaction with the community um, is just a lot different there. Uh, okay. It's like, it's just a lot more collaborative overall. Um, and it also seems like, from my outside perspective, I was never really an admin or anything like that. Um, you know, but from the outside perspective, it seemed like they were very willing to add more people in you know, from the outside to get more voices. Now, I, you know, if you talk to some people, maybe they had too many voices or it's hard to come to an agreement. Sure. But, um, you, you know, like we have like this very segmented community in Link to the Past where there's maybe a half dozen large discords of like friend groups and communities and then 
tournaments that are all independently run. Whereas for the free mm-hmm. enterprise randomizer, like everything is centralized in their discord and it's all like, okay, this is our spring tournament. This is our fall tournament. This is what we're doing. We have our weekly races, um, like wow. between tournaments, like it, it, they have like community clubs between tournaments and the people that want to start a new club for specific flag set just like submit it and then the admins say okay we'll have this club next season and like it's all just very collaborative whereas link to the past is very spread out and disparate interesting yeah i mean i've heard some other rando communities having like literally every event centralized on a single server and i wasn't always sure like you know is that due to the size is that due to you know the involvement with say like the developers of that rando or uh, you know, the admins or whatever you want to call them for the racing scene. Um, but yeah, that's that that's kind of an interesting concept. It would be kind of nice to have everything under one umbrella instead of having like 87 discords to join for all these different tournaments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there are certainly a lot of benefits to it, but there's also some downsides. And like, especially if you get larger, like you kind of alluded to, um, you might not be able to find as much agreement Uh Sure. So that that would definitely uh, you know cause issues. Now I, I think they do a good job in that. Like the large uh, tournaments over there are you know generally acceptable flag sets, and then maybe for like the more off the wall uh, flag sets, they'll they'll have like just a weekly community race where just one week they'll have that as a flag set, or maybe it'll just be a specialty uh, community club that focuses on that for one year. I don't know. I I I think it's just much more difficult with Link to the Past because I don't have to tell you there are very, very varied opinions on uh, how to (laughs) approach the game. And for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, So we'll switch gears back. Tell me tell me about uh, the Civ games, because I'm going to be honest, I don't know anything about them. So what uh, what's the draw to say when you found Civ 2 and now all the way up to Civ 6? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know why they like draw me in as much as they do. I guess I always had I, I it's kind of like a chicken and the egg looking back because Civ games have been part of my life for so long. But um Right. Like I definitely enjoy like historical, you know, facts and just the the sagas that have taken part in history. So just like being able to have like an alternate history that you play through that is like loosely based on the real world, but then you like go off on your own way. Like there's something like really interesting about that. Now I will say when I was like getting into it as a kid, did I play it on hard difficulties? No. Did I, um, you know, it really wasn't much of a strategy game. Like looking back, like I, you know, if you play it on low difficulty, you can just like mash your head against the keyboard and kind of do all right, you know, (laughs) but um, yeah, there's just something about like the, the like alternate history uh, and you, you actually do learn like a surprising amount from it. You just have to like know how to learn. Like you're not going to, you know, know the exact specifics, but just the, you get the general culture of different eras in history. So that, that's like really interesting to me now, like more recently, like when I got into Civ 6, I got really into it maybe like two years ago, like when I kind of like waned a bit on Link to the Past. And like, I, I, I want to say like I got like decent at it. Like I never got into the competitive multiplayer scene, which is actually surprisingly strong. Um, uh-huh. But I, you know, I beat it on 
like the highest difficulty with like every sieve multiple times. Like, wow. So, um, it's, it's a very intricate strategy game when you get down to it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that part is also very uh, fun for me is to just finding the best way to optimize, like how to, you know, find the best ROI for that little bit of production you got there. And, you know, it's, it's a very complicated game, but it, it lends itself to interesting strategic decision making, which I guess kind of ties into Link to the Past a little bit, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you, you actually taught me something here because I didn't know that the Civ games, because I know nothing about them. I had no idea they were even loosely based on like real life history. I just thought it was kind of like a concept, say, like Sim City, But, you know, just building a civilization like instead of a city, I thought it was just kind of like, you know, a spinoff. So <laughs> OK, so, yeah. yeah. Like you play as a civilization. So like, say you'll play as the Aztecs and you'll start in the year 4000 BC and it'll start like a little city and then you'll have your people like research pottery and then that'll let you build a granary and then that gives you more food and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. It just all builds out from there. Interesting. So it's, it's kind of like in a way, not some, not, not resource management all the way down, but it has, I'm assuming it has a little bit of that in it as well as like how to grow uh, kind of like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, you know, you have, it is varied throughout the series, but generally you have like your food and your production and your gold or whatever it is in that iteration of the game. And uh, those are your like economic resources. And then you have like your science and your culture to to advance your civilization. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. And like they have trees for the, like, you know, tech trees are pretty common in other games too. And it's just, builds on one another yeah and there's like a pretty in-depth encyclopedia in the game that will give you like the background like the historical background of things if you're interested in in them so yeah it it is definitely uh interesting to to learn a little bit through that okay so like moderately educational and also fun at the same time so I, i can dig it yeah it's, it's like a running joke because um, we also like on the side are into crosswords and the one discord we're in, you know, and uh, I I get like a lot of like obscure answers just from my knowledge from Civ 6. So I like I like just <laughs> that's make, pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's like a recurring joke that comes up quite frequently. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned in college you got back into consoles with a GameCube. Uh, any any big games on the GameCube that were super in, uh, inspirational or left a mark on you? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I played. I remember playing a lot of Double Dash, and it's like not like an inspirational game or anything, oh, but it, dude, it's a lot game, of fun. I, I, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I totally a, get it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely played uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Um, that was pretty pretty great. I'm, I'm trying to think of like my biggest ones. I, I played a lot of like the Mario sports games. They were big around those t- that time. I remember right. like the the Mario Golf. We played a lot of that. Uh, friends in college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mario Sunshine is a is a great game, even though it's like you know viewed as maybe one of the weaker of the 3D Mario's. I, I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, I, I also like now that I'm thinking about it, I got into Ikaruga. Um, not okay. too in depth, but that's like uh, a shmup that is like one of the first like real bullet hell shmups that if you have any if if anything sounds familiar about it, it would be the fact that you can change from light to dark and you absorb the light. If you're the light ship, you absorb the light bullets 
And if you're the dark oh. ship, you absorb the dark bullets. Um, it's a really okay. cool game. But uh, yeah, that for some reason I got into that for like you know like a month or two. And I was like playing all the time and trying to like get good at it. I, I don't know. It, it was short lived, but it is somewhat memorable for me. Yeah, I, I I remember seeing this game, but I had no idea what it was called. And I just Googled it, and apparently. Apparently it's like two hundred and thirty dollars on eBay. I'm not sure if I found some collector's edition or if it's just that mm. rare. Well, I, um, I still have my copy, so I better I better keep that safe. Uh, well, it says brand new. That might be why. Mm, okay, um, okay. But uh, yeah, wow. Okay, I'll have to look into this and see about checking that out because shmups are are pretty fun. So <clears throat> I guess like pushing forward a little bit. Uh, what what did you find first? Did you find rando or did you find like twitch and speed running tell me tell me how you got to i guess into the the speed run scene so to speak and then getting into competitive randomizer yeah that's i was trying to like rebuild the timeline in my head to, to like figure out exactly how this happened but i think I, there was a time when i was like a YouTube Andy, like I just watched it up on YouTube and I didn't even mm -hmm. like, like I think I was vaguely aware that Twitch was a thing, but I'd never really watched it. And then I think I was watching a clip on YouTube from the Colbert show where Mitch Flower Power was on there hyping. He was like doing a promotion thing for uh, Summer Games Done Quick. Okay. Um, and he, it was like him racing to beat uh, Super Mario 3 with the glitch versus like a 4 by 100 meter relay team versus Stephen Colbert heating and eating an entire Hot Pocket. Like it's, it's pretty iconic because it was, it's probably like the most run <laughs> speed running thing that's ever happened really. I, I just happened to watch that and then I, I think after that I'm like let's check out this Games Done Quick thing and I, I do think like I recall being on like Speed Demos Archive back in like the early 2000s looking at some random things but you know, it was never really a big interest of mine. It was just like, oh, here's a video of sure. Doom getting beaten in a couple, you know, whatever. Feels um, like a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, like I, I remember checking out like Twitch and that game so quick. And I, I don't really recall getting too deep into Twitch at the time. I think I was like actually watching a few poker streams here and there. Um, and I, I don't know what it was, but I like I loaded up Twitch one day and I, I'm like almost certain that I got into Link to the Past Randomizer by it being on the front page during that first tournament at some point and okay. me seeing Link to the Past and I, I like I, I could recognize Link to the Past. So I'm like, OK, let's check this out. And I mean, I saw it. And I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> this is awesome. Like what? <laughs> like I think I was kind of hooked immediately. Um like on the idea. So I, you know, I don't know exactly what month of that tournament um, that was in, but I do know by like the end of May, I was playing a, a couple seeds and I was racing on SRL. I think my first race was like June of 2017. Okay. So yeah, you were what I like to call an early adopter, maybe not like, you know, the old speedrunners just finding out that, Hey, we've made this randomizer. Do you guys want to play it? But like when the competitive scenes kind of starting out, uh, you know, you don't find many people these days, I think, saying, hey, I started in 2017. I feel like those are like the <laughs> the elders <laughs> of the community is probably the way to put it. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh. <laughs> but that's that's pretty good. So you've lived through many timelines uh, in that, I guess. So 
uh, it's going to be kind of hard to like pin down everything since you do still play a little bit now. Uh, obviously not as much, but I guess like in 2017, like when did you d- decide, like, do you remember what made you want to, was it just the SRL races or do you remember like saying, okay, a tournament should be fun and you wanted to commit time to it. Do you, do you have any recollection of like which tournament it was and, and what drew you into it? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't, know the exact reasoning i just knew that like when i was watching the tournament i'm like okay i need to join a tournament like i i I, it was like an imperative i can't tell you why it was an imperative but it it definitely was um so like the next tournament that was starting up was that first entrance shuffle tournament so um that's what i joined (laughs) Uh, okay you know it was uh it was fun it was challenging like I, I remember listening back to Axe Interview, but um, the, the seeds were handpicked and they were brutally difficult at times, in, including a, a couple of mine. Right. So, because uh, <laughs> I my, know I know he said that was that was proven. That was not a like just a speculation, but it did come out later that that was actually something that that did happen. Yes, absolutely. And uh, like my hardest one was Moon Pearl on uh, Cold Stare which you had Bombos and Fighter Sword and Hammer and Green Mail, you know, just a couple hearts. So I had been playing the game for like maybe two months at that point, And that was uh, my roadblock in the seed. Wow. So um, <laughs> it's actually quite <laughs> hype if you go back and uh, watch it because I got like it was my third attempt. Then uh, I got locked by the hammer in a couple situations where like you would have sworn I was going to get hit by the puff, but it like missed by a pixel. Like it, it's pretty funny to go back and watch. <laughs> but yeah, uh, strangely enough, and we don't have to get into details, but that was a match against Krullbill. Um, okay. He was playing at that time uh, in tournaments. And uh, also Magius was on commentary, which is also somewhat funny to me. Uh, sure. It, it was it was a very it's just looking back like it. This is six years on. Right. Like it's kind of right. crazy to think about. But like that that in a time capsule, that moment with this like insane know, seed. Yeah, this like, insane seed. And like the commentary, like it's just it's actually like and Freddie was the other one on the commentary. And it's just like so funny to think about to me. Yeah, because like all of those people are still in, in some way, shape or form, shape or form. They're, they're still involved with the community. And, you know, here we are 2023 and we're talking about the 2017 tournament. So, yeah, yeah, um, it is pretty, pretty wild. Well, it, um, it's crazy because um, also like my first match ever, 1v1 in Rando was Chex, Chex Human, um, who okay. is still like, you know, he's one of the greatest people in Randomizer, in my opinion, um, you know, and then yeah. my second second match was with Ack. Like it's it's just so funny because these are all people that are still around in one way or another, and you know at the time I I did not really know checks I did not really know Ack, and now they're both friends of mine, and it's just it's just weird to think about. Yeah, for sure. Like it's it's you know you couldn't have predicted how things would you know pan out over the years. Um, so Ack mentioned you uh, as far as in that specific tournament on his episode where. There, there may have been some foul play afoot, and I'm only bringing this up because of your correlation later down the line with the Racing Council. So it, it, take me through your, your memory of this, I guess, as, as much as you'd like to, uh, even if it's none. 
But uh, <laughs> um, so who 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 contacted who? Like as far as like talking about, hey, are you guys seeing this? And are we looking at this right? Like, do you remember much about that time period? So in the entrance tournament, I, that was like before I got into the whole uh, cheating investigation thing for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. That was uh, that was mainly, I think, Ak and Jem and Frame at that that point. Um, I kind of okay. like I kind of like nose my way in later by like talking to Ak about cheating down the line. And uh, so like for the entrance tournament, um, that was mostly them and that 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 story about the player that uh, got banned from the tournament after uh, the next tournament, um, which was, you know, after a match against frame, uh, which frame won anyway, but uh, it's one, right. that's a, one of the great, like there are some moments in Rando history that like, if you know the full context of them, that makes them like 10 times better. And that's one of them like that. <laughs> because if you, if you go back and watch sure. frames match there, He's he's minutes behind and he just gains all the way up on the climb in GT and passes the person who was, you know, in not playing legitimately and it just beats them. And once you know that the person he beat was like screen sniping and probably was getting very nervous that frame was on his heels and catching up like <laughs> and, and he starts like fumbling around with this play like it just makes it so much better. Yeah, for sure. So uh, do you recall how far you made it in this tournament uh, being being your first tournament and also entrance? Uh, I'd assume it was very difficult, like you were saying, you know, handpick seeds. But do you recall, like, how, how many people were even in this tournament? I think it was somewhere around uh, 60 or so. I, I can't remember the wow. exact number. Um, I went two and two. It was a double elimination tournament, which considering, okay. you know, I had barely played before. I thought that was pretty good, you know, um, mm-hmm. It was definitely the the introduction. I, I guess it, it's hard to like realize it now for players that are just getting into Rando or even have just been into Rando for like four years instead of six years. But there mm-hmm. there was definitely like a hesitancy in the early years for people to jump into things like Entrance Shuffle or Enemizer or anything that was like not just open or standard. Like it, if you the first year of Krosky's was like 2018 where they like released that in January, I think for like the first play test and, uh, okay. Or like crossed entrance shuffle. And then it became Krosky's was like the most popular, I guess. I, I, I don't know when he sanity became the default for that, but like I was, re- I was setting up races for that, like every week or every night. I, I, I mean, and, uh, there'd be like five people, there's like there's maybe like 10 people that regularly played entrance shuffle for like the first year and a half of the existence of link to the past randomizer so yeah like the tournament itself had like maybe 50 to 60 people but as far as the popularity of entrance shuffle as like a preferred mode for racing it it didn't exist like nobody really cared i mean even if you fast forward to the first crosskeys tournament that was towards the middle of 2019 like there was still only like 70 people signed up for it I think. Yeah. And, and I think those are really good numbers. And it's kind of crazy to think about because, you know, earlier today I was kind of scrolling through Twitch and I saw there were several people I follow playing cross keys like a pickup race. And I'm, I pulled this up on race time just because I knew it was like a larger number. There's 13 people in this random pickup race. It's not even like a set time. It's just someone pinged. And then now we've got this. So cross keys definitely blew up you know, so to speak. I think I, I think for most rando players, it's kind of the favorite go-to mode at this point in, in rando's, like, tenure uh, of competitiveness. 
Yeah, like it is so mind blowing to me because I think there was a time when you would look at a rando player and they were an entrance player or a regular mode player. Um, there was a time For like sure. entrance, entrance player was like its own bucket that, you know, other, you know, one of those entrance players. And if you, you know, were to go back and look at discord messages or there's like probably dozens and dozens of people saying entrance isn't fun to race. And like, but then, you know, I gotta say that it might have to do with the fact that Dunka put it as one of the modes on the ladder, just from the beginning um, mm-hmm. like I, it's hard to really pinpoint exactly what changes the opinion over time, but that probably had a lot to do with it looking back. Cause up until that point, it was still like outside of having its own tournament, like it was still a very niche mode before the ladder, uh, started running in full. Right. And I remember you mentioned the 2019 tournament. Um, that tournament was like my first dip really into well it was probably the second dip into cross keys because the league was before that and after being embarrassed when i actually raced that it was kind of like i should probably learn how this works uh, (laughs) or at least attempt to um and that was i i do remember that tournament because that's when um they did i think it was they did qualifiers but nobody got eliminated and that was the one thing i really liked about it Uh, i didn't have to worry about getting knocked out i could just flail through the seed yeah yeah but but thinking back that's that is the tournament you won, correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay, so you were the inaugural Furaim as far as the role goes uh, on that server. <laughs> yeah, although I haven't been on that server for more than a couple seconds for like the past three years. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I'm generally selective on which servers I'm on, and I, uh, you know, that's that's one where I just decided to put in my rearview mirror for the most part. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Um, and then I'm, I'm kind of rewinding a little more here. Um, but uh, fall 2018, you had a really good showing in that super long fall tournament. I believe you got third in that. I is got that right? fourth. But fourth. Yeah, OK, yeah. I don't know. Getting to that point to me is like pretty insane because you had the 15 group stage, the 15 game group stage. And then you had best of three. I think it was best of three brackets up until like finals where it was like best of five. So. That was <laughs> I think that would take the cake as far as the longest tournament in history that, you know, wasn't just delayed from lack of scheduling. Yeah, I over the course of that tournament, I played 31 V1s. Um, wow. Yeah. And that's with my one group member canceling our last match. So uh. <laughs> holy cow, that's insane because <laughs> yes, that that literally was just a few months. And and even in today's world, I can't imagine having to schedule that much (laughs) yeah like that that tournament was good for me for a lot of reasons there's like there's definitely some hard feelings about how it ended up um understandably i would i would say uh but it it definitely helped solidify some of my opinions about tournaments in, in rando um one i would say i guess it's just not it's not only rando but maybe any online gaming tournament is like everybody wants to have a long tournament until they're in a long tournament right um like that's that is you know one of my big bigger things is like people like oh let's make a best of three or maybe let's make a best of five oh let's it's like you really guys, you really don't want to be playing 31 V ones over a couple months. Like it's, <laughs> that's not yeah. what you want. Um, like 
to, to me, it's like the number one way to finish a tournament is by winning it. And the number two way to finish a tournament is by going out early. Like, I, I feel like if you don't win, you kind of end up in a, a state of what could have been. Um, sure. Yeah, because like I got this far. I've invested this much time. And I mean, I don't know if you feel this way. I'm a big proponent of, you know, for a lot of people, including myself, the longer I am in a tournament, the more I unintentionally get vested in my result because Absolutely. because you've you've just put waste like so even though it's a randomizer, you've put so much time into it. It's kind of like, well, I kind of want to say I did something. Um, and, and sometimes you get to say you got, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever. And then sometimes it just feels like, man, I I, I spent two months and didn't really get anything close to what I was hoping for, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely identify with that. And I, I guess I'll, I'll say like the one um, more controversial uh, take I have on tournaments that I know is the minority view um, with random tournaments. I am way more uh, a fan of random seating than I am uh, ranked seating based on qualifiers. Um, mm. Okay. So, so in that tournament, um, I was the lucky person. Like I, I have a pretty good history of getting into the first ranking group uh, in tournaments. I don't know if it's just my style of how I approach qualifiers. And it, obviously there's luck to it as well. I would sure. not uh, discount that. But in that tournament, I, I got into the first, uh, the, I guess they were sextiles at, um, in that tournament. They were, you know, right. of six. Um, and my reward for that was getting weighty words out of the fifth sextile. Um, so, it, <laughs> like, I think it's definitely a true statement that the average group is more fair if you do qualifiers. But I think it's also a true statement that there's always going to be a group that somebody gets screwed. Um, sure. So I think it feels a lot better if you're somebody that gets screwed by random chance than if you're somebody that gets screwed because you're the one that gets the, you know, you, you got the high ranking, but uh, you got somebody that's really good in your group that had a bad qualifier. Um, like, and I, I guess it kind of, kind of ties into my other viewpoint where, you know, going home early isn't necessarily a bad thing in the tournament. Like having a random group where there's like five top players in there and only one of you or two of you get out like that. Yeah. I mean, there's no shame in that at all. Right. Like, I, I guess it's easy for me to say to, to, for, uh, to an extent based on the fact that I do have a tournament under my belt where I know a lot of people really do want to like have that win at some point, sure. but at the same time, I, I I just think there's something more fun about just random seating and, hey, if you get into the group of death, you're probably not the only one. So it, it just becomes more of a fun thing. You can just laugh at the at the insane groups and have a laugh at the easy groups, but maybe not publicly because that would be mean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like it's just kind of uh it's just, I don't know. It's randomizer. Let the groups be random. That's, that's my less popular take. Yeah. Yeah. Probably get like, you know, the top 128 in today's world and then just hit the random button. Like, don't worry yeah. about like the quartiles or whatever, just press random and then whatever happens, happens. Um, or I guess, you know, some people could say press the random button a random number of times just to make it even funnier. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, um, Moving forward, you know, 2019 was that year that the council was formed and you were one of the inaugural members and inaugural leaders of that. So 
act, like I said, kind of plugged you as someone that kind of had a, a little bit of, I guess, sway, we'll say, with talking to the admins as far as saying maybe this is something that might be needed due to, at that time, cheaters in the community. Um, can you talk a little bit through that, like what that what that process was kind of like for you? Yeah, this is actually a really interesting story. So um, I went back through different DMs just to try to make sure I was remembering things correctly. And it is definitely true that we had conversations about like splitting the load, like, hey, we're doing this cheating stuff, um, the cheating investigation stuff already. Um, and that could be a, a function. But interestingly enough, the, the so I had like in, in our uh, group chats, I had like, pose the idea of like, hey, maybe I should suggest a counselor or something like maybe in the middle of 2018. But um, mm-hmm. as far as the the actual like talking to an admin, the admin about the council, <laughs> the early years of Rando, there were a couple events that just I mean, I guess this hasn't really changed all that much. Right. Like there's always a, a random event that like the discord becomes like a toxic environment for a couple of days. Right. Um, yes. Tell me about it. Uh. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it happens. But like this time, uh, turning back the clock to February 2019, um, there was a very uh, large spat in the Discord after um, somebody who was on the like collaborating with the dev team on auto tracking used auto tracking in the weekly race without anybody's knowledge or like quote unquote approval okay. outside of the admin team, and that was like a huge blow up in the Discord at the time. You know, in that person's defense, the admin team, like they were working with the admin team on auto tracking and there's like no, sure. you know, so like there's like kind of an, an implicit like, hey, this is OK, because like the admin team is saying it's OK, um, like mm-hmm. the devs. But at the same time, like the competitive community was not having it. I mean, now nowadays we have auto tracking, but it was a long time that we did not have auto tracking uh, being legal, even after it was, you know, available. Right. Uh, and this this uh, this is a very nasty time in the discord. And I think I like I was messaging Christos. Um, he asked me if I had like any suggestions and I, I like typed up a nice message to him. And I'm like, look, like every group can be a victim of groupthink, um, you know, you, especially mm-hmm. if it's a small group. And I'm like, even, like, I'm not I'm not excusing myself from that. And I think what happens here is like you have your the admin team is a, is a group of people that know each other well and they all, you all kind of think the same. And, it, you know, there's, you know, my, my group thinks the same and for the most part, you know, and, but there's like, I, I said, look, there's all these diverse communities in, in our randomizer and like, we could have a racing council that can like opine on these decisions. And, uh, you know, there, there are groups that I, there are people in this community that I don't talk to, but I would trust them to be on this council. Like, I don't even remember who I, the, mentioned but like there was you know i I just mentioned like random people that i had no communications with ever but i'm like sure i would be fine for this person like like, there's just acknowledgement that there's like a wide range of people that could have like good input to you know help be a you know either a liaison or a decision maker uh in these matters and it would it would not all fall onto this and it would hopefully like stem these things from like blowing up like this like that was the intent right and, and you could probably say, like, you know, when you have these, di- like, we'll say discord, like arguments, you know, when something does blow up, 
in the process of all the noise, if you, you know, take the time to read through some of it, uh, every once in a while you do see someone who you can tell it's like, I've never really engaged with this person, but they've probably, they sound like they have a good head on their shoulders. They may not agree with me, but they're arguing in, they're arguing their point in a, like, I guess say a good faith way. Um, and then like, I guess you can kind of have that respect and, and, and maybe this is, I'm, I'm assuming this is what you meant, but this is kind of how my experience has been where you see someone, it's like, okay, we can agree to disagree because you know, you're, you know, you're presenting it in a fair way as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like, that was kind of like the impetus in the message I sent Christos is that, you know, we, we have people that I, I'm, I'm sure like, I don't know if it would, how well it would work, but I think it would certainly be better than what was going on at the time. And like mm-hmm. l- looking back, I, you know, there are a lot of people that are new at the community. A lot of people have joined the community and the council has always been a thing for them until recently. Uh, before the council existed, like the admins, like, I don't want to like, th- they were doing their best. I, I, I want to say sure. good faith, they were doing their best, but like, they were a black box and in, in matters such as cheating, uh, like, or, you know, being open about development or like whatever it was, like it, there was nothing coming out of there. Like you, you would, you would message them and like, sometimes like you'd be lucky to get an acknowledgement that they even read your message. Um, right. And like, I understand that the community had grown really fast early on, like that, that tournament with the Swiss rounds, uh, with 512 yeah. entrants, like obviously they probably were busy and like, but that's kind of the point, right? Like if they can't handle it, it's, it's like, what, yeah, the way I looked at it, you have one or two options as the admins, either you, if you want to take on this responsibility yourself, then you have to take on the responsibility yourself. Right. Or, you come up with a solution which allows you to offload that responsibility. And that's kind of the approach that I was trying to get across in that. Uh, The message is like, look, you don't have to do this. Like nobody's telling you, you have to be the ones in charge of cheating investigations or, you know, the ones that are like in charge of like rule sets or, or anything like that. Like, like you can see that to a group. And if, in order to have a group that you could trust to see that to, how about this idea of a council, which like the whole idea would be ideally it would be diverse with representatives from most of the communities that were, um, you know, in, in the randomizer scene. And I, you know, honestly, I think it did pretty well in that regard for quite a long time. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, you know, it changed drastically even while you were on it, uh, you know, uh, you were in term one, you know, I came in in term two, but, uh, you know, for, I will agree for the longest time, it was a, a great necessity and a great ally or asset to the community. Um, maybe down the line, it was more just a purple discord name. And <laughs> that was kind of it, you know, every once in a while we ping people and then it was like, what are we changing now? Um, <laughs> Yeah. And it's all bylaw related or whatever, because the first so the first term, you guys never had bylaws, which seems to me to be a little chaotic. And I assume that first term when you were in on that with a a very diverse group of people that there was probably a lot of chaos. Is am I am I accurate in assuming that? 
you know, to be honest, I don't really feel it felt that way. Um, okay. Maybe it's just, you know, me, Ari, and Dwayne were just, you know, so Iron Fisted or, no, I, I don't know what it was, but um, it really didn't seem that way. Uh, we we had basically the, at the time, one of the more high profile cheating investigations, uh, like the first big one during that, that time period. Sure. Um, and like, that was like one of the first like major, you know, cheating punishments handled, handed out by the council and uh, like, it was kind of all respectful and somewhat organized. It, like maybe I'm like remembering it with like rose tinted glasses or something. And I can certainly acknowledge that that's a possibility, but to, to be fair, I don't, I don't re- really recall it being that chaotic. I mean, I guess that's, that's good to hear. Um, you know, especially like, cause I remember when I came in, the first thing I was told was you guys have to make bylaws. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> you know, like we, we could talk those to death. We're not going to, but you know, it seemed like you guys just, I'm not gonna say had free reign because I don't think you guys did anything outlandish. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier discord explosions, we'll call them of, of disagreement. I remember when the announcement came out, you know, uh, about the Ultima scandal at the time. And I, you know, like a lot of people was there for the popcorn and just so I could learn, like, okay, what are people potentially doing? And, you know, is it in at the time, my, my naive self was like, is this something I could accidentally do? And clearly it's not, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. like when I very early on, I was one of those people who was just like, all right, you know, you got to lock yourself in your room to play a race and you can't have your phone because somebody might text you something that's a, a cheating hit. So, you know, obviously it's not that strict, but um, but back then, so yeah, when, when that came out, that was kind of a, a big deal for me too. It was like, what's, what's going on? So I, I, I'm going to fast forward a little bit and I don't know if you remember this, I've said this before. Um, and you may not have ever heard me say this, but, uh, I remember at GDQ 2020 was the second time I met you because I met you at SGL in 2019 and at some random dinner, it was like a group thing. The, the racing council applications were open. And I don't know if you remember, but you said we could use someone like you. And I don't even know. I don't even know if that um, if that like was something you just said, like out of the moment or had planned it. But that literally that day or later that day, I kind of I'd been considering like applying for it. But I was like, I don't know if I'd be good for this. And you saying that actually made me go and apply for it. <laughs> it was, I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, I hope, a, I hope you're glad. Uh, I don't know if you, you are still glad <laughs> after. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. no, no, I, 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 I can say like, I feel like I did uh, my part, um, so to speak. You know, a lot of people look at being on council or back when it was there as like a, like a civil duty. But I don't know. I just felt it was like a way to give back in a way for something. And I don't know if this is how you felt, but it was like a way to give back in a way to benefit the community because I felt like it gave a lot to me as far as like joy. And it's a free video game, so to speak, you know, after you dump your legally uh, purchased (laughs) copy of 1.0 link to the past. But I I, I actually have one of those, so I'm I'm good. I'm good to go. I do too. I actually do too. (laughs) And I love it. So uh, it was like one of the first things I bought when I got into rando was like, I got to have one of these. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So you've kind of mentioned like, your time on council. I remember you, you, one was like term three, I think you decided to step away. Uh, was that kind of, 
was the council going in a way that you just didn't want to be a part of it? Or was that kind of when you started to, I guess, distance from the being in every single tournament that popped up? I think it was a combination, honestly. It's hard to remember the exact, uh, you know, reasons. But I, I do remember getting very stressed out with things that were going on in the council. Um, I don't remember what the exact thing was, but there was definitely something that was getting to me. Um, and uh, I was also uh, not completely backing out. Like, I think I didn't stop uh, playing as much Rando until, like, early 2020. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think that it was just getting to be, like, too much. The, the drama was just more than I could take at the time for whatever reason. Um, I, like I said, I don't remember the exact drama. Right, right. I, just re- I just remember the stress. Like, I can still remember the stress. So I'm just like, no, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, for sure. And that makes total sense. Um, which I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm glad that you're still around, still playing like, you know, you join ladder races and, and other events. Um, but you know, obviously nowhere near as I guess it, you know, elbows deep in it, so to speak, as, as you were back in the, the, the 20 teens, I guess is a way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I started out like my first year or two, um, I was playing one to two seeds a day. I was studying other people playing when I wasn't playing like it was definitely diving ahead first and that's probably why I you know had you know some decent return in in the tournaments on on those investments you know I had like sure. you mentioned the the fall tournament and the Krosky's tournament and you know there were other miscellaneous tournaments in there like uh like I guess there was a tournament that was called the 2v2 mystery tournament but it wasn't like mystery as we currently have it Right. Um, it was mystery as in there was a bingo board and there was like squares that you uncovered. And it that's how like you figured out what seed you're doing by uncovering squares on this board. And I don't know. It, it was actually really fun. Ak and I were in that. And we, we finished second to Kyong and Farame, which, you know, no shame in that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I was like fully immersed in, in randomizer for probably sure. a good i don't know 20 months somewhere around there i think it was a little bit short of two years but and then like maybe starting to like draw back a little bit from there mm-hmm. uh, but yeah today like i'll play a seat or two a week um and that, that's fine it's, it's still fun i at that level it's still fun for me so that's uh that's what we're going for, right? Having fun yeah, here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be about. It's not really supposed to be about the drama. It's just an unfortunate byproduct. Um, yeah. So you were on uh, the same team, but with completely different names for the ALTTPR League uh, for three seasons. Um, you were on team 4K, 4th and 4Head season one. And uh, you guys, I believe, got runner up in that that season. And then... Yes. Uh, Season two, uh, Furane will give an interview if we win. I love that name, by the way. Uh, <laughs> made it to conference semis, so I believe that's top eight. And uh, and then season three, you guys played um, as they vetoed our acronym. I do remember that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot yeah. what, what accent, but <laughs> I just we- remember it being insanely long. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, there might be a new acronym and a new Open League team next year. Uh, okay. This, this season, potentially. Uh, I was, I was hoping I would hear that. Uh, um, and <laughs> the, uh, So I, I won't spoil anything. It's, it's a great acronym. Jim came up with what he wanted the acronym to be, and I, I came up with the, uh, the words to fit it. Um, I, I, think, I think it's pretty good. Taking some of that crossword knowledge and yeah, exactly. uh, applying it. <laughs> so I guess like let me let me uh, deviate away from a link to the past. So you know you mentioned the crosswords and I I, I sort of know about it just from being around. But uh, like, what is it about? Uh, do you just like that puzzle aspect of the crossword stuff, or is it like the social interaction? Because um, like I'll be honest, like hearing about you and other people doing those. You know, I, I don't pay for the, the New York Times thing, but, you know, the, the free mini every day is enough to make my smooth brain work a little bit some <laughs> days. Some days I, I feel really stupid. But uh, but yeah, like, I mean, you guys playing them together. Is that like a social thing for you that draws you in? I mean, it's definitely a fun social thing. Um, it's I don't know. I, I just have a type of personality that. Like I get drawn to puzzly things, right? And then, just randomly, I'll get. I'll be, uh, I can't even say exactly what will be the catalyst, but I'll be like, "Oh, here's a new thing I'm going to be into for the next two or three years." Like it just, <laughs> like I mean, that's like kind of like what Rando was, right? Like it, it's very much the same thing. But like before, before um, crosswords, I was into like Sudoku. Like there's like a whole world of variant oh, Sudoku yeah. that I was like really into like i don't know i don't know exactly what it is but um yeah I, I just really get into something and the puzzle element is good like just learning something new is, is fun i yeah I, I it's hard to say exactly what it is about my personality that that drives that but uh yeah that, that's what i do i basically will find some new right. uh, hobby and just dedicate a, a lot of time to it and have fun with it but it's yeah, like never sure. like for too long, you know, like it's always like a year or two and then it's like on to the next thing. It's it's what I would like to call. And I'm speaking about myself here more than other people. It's the healthy amount of enjoyment. You enjoy it for a while and then you decide I'm going to move on instead of kind of like digging your heels in, kicking and screaming when you know you should probably let something go <laughs> and then keep playing it, even though it's not bringing you as much joy as it used to. Uh, but, but yeah, I would say the way you, you handle that, it sounds like it's, it's definitely a healthy enjoyment of, of vast hobbies. That's the way I try to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, wrapping things up, I've got three questions I ask folks. And, uh, you know, if, if you listen to some of these, you maybe, maybe, you know, them, and maybe you don't even have an answer, but, uh, the first one, do you recall your most embarrassing moment in randomizer? And uh, that I guess that you're willing to share. I mean, like, I'll share one that's like kind of depressing, but at the same time, if it something oh, no. comes to mind, <laughs> like, well, it's it's all it's definitely like a bit embarrassing, but also like, man, that's kind of sad. <laughs> but whatever, I'll, I'll share it, and uh, if people, I'm I'm fine with it now, like, pro promise. But uh, okay, we we already talked about the fall 2018 tournament, um, but uh, like. I had a really, really good run to the final four. Like I didn't lose in brackets before the final four. Um, wow. And then we got there and 
so broadly speaking, the embarrassment, it, I'll get to a specific one in a moment, but broadly speaking, like out of the, I, I went to five games in both uh, against Lane and against Willard in the, in the bronze matches and combined out of those 10 games, I was on Ganon first, seven out of the 10. Oh no. And one of the other three, I was in GT first and Willard gambled tile room. <laughs> so like I, I had, I played extremely well for like 99% of that tournament, but like, except for a handful of Ganon fights. Um, and like, that's just like my overall uh, disappointment. Like, it's like, I just feel embarrassed about that performance at the time. Like I was just really sad about it for a while, to be honest with you. Like, sure. I, I'm, pro- I'm like fine now, but there was one in particular where um, it was against Willard and I, it, I was Master Sword Silverless. And I think I had died once like I was really low percent. I, I just lucked into go mode fairly early. I don't remember the exact specifics, but I died once. Mm-hmm. And I like I, uh, I think it was I fell, like the second time, or maybe it was even the third time. I don't know. But this is something I never do. Like I'll get frustrated. I'll you know, but like I'm usually pretty even keel. But I just threw the controller across the room and I just sat sat there. Like the race was still ongoing. Like wow. Like, like I just sat there for maybe like. 10 20 seconds like if, if you were, for, were to find like the correct vod like you would just see me like sitting there like i i, I was just like v- very that, rattled yeah like i i just like threw it away and like i was just like yeah i i've i've never had that level of uh like overall like negative feeling playing the game like i was just very embarrassed by like how like having the tournament run I had and now I can't even beat Ganon, you know, like it was just a hard, hard thing to deal with at the time. But, um, oh, yeah. like I have never before or since thrown a controller, but man, that was, that was the one and hopefully only time in my life I do that. Dang. I, uh, you know, relating to like master sword silverless, I feel like that's one of those types of fights where when it comes, when it starts to come off the rails that first time, it is so hard to get it. It, it like, you know, the more you do it, it's it's not so bad. But with the pressure situation, it's so hard to get it back on the rails, like stay calm and stay in a rhythm because yeah. like one thing goes wrong and it's kind of like, you know, it's over and it's such a long fight. So then you, you like it weighs on you like you just got to do it all over again. Like wherever you got to, you got to do that again. Plus more. But uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, thank you for sharing that. That's like I, I don't think I've thrown a, I've thrown controllers in my my uh, like life. We'll say, but I don't think I've thrown one in rando yet. I think when I do, I think that's when I'm gonna call it quits. Uh, <laughs> just say like I'm I'm done competing. We'll just play for fun. Um, but yeah. So question two, uh, and I'm not even sure if you use any, but do you have a favorite MSU pack? Yeah, I don't use MSU. Um, I pilot gem in spoiler key sandy a lot and he uses it like i don't even know which one he he uses or which ones <laughs> he uses but he, he has some fun ones i i enjoy listening to him but to be honest like i i just don't uh you know i sure you just like you like the vanilla music or no music i guess right yeah yeah i mean i i don't know it, it's kind of uh boring i suppose but man i i guess I, I just don't really get tired of uh at least some of the themes in the vanilla game sure uh, dark overworld theme is amazing skullwood's theme is amazing uh 
I don't know. Pendant Dungeon's pretty great. You, you don't uh, want to dive a Pendant Dungeon, but it's almost worth it sometimes just to hear that track, because that track's yeah. actually, like, it's better than the Crystal Music, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, well, and the final question, and this one's kind of the doozy. Uh, so if you had to lose all your gaming memories, but you're allowed to keep one of them, which one would you keep and why? Hmm. And a lot of people, you know, while you're thinking, I'll say a lot of people kind of try to spin this question and they're like, well, there's so many things I'd love to re-experience. Um, you know, like if I deleted saying I played a game for the first time that I really enjoyed, but you know, I guess one way to look at it is something that it was so good. You wouldn't want a chance having to do like having the, everything fall into place again for it to happen. Yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely a bit of a doozy. Um, <laughs> let's see. So I guess for me, I got I, I don't want to get like all sappy, but I guess maybe I do. Cause that's where my mind's going. But, um, for me in, in my adult life games, are, like they're still fun and I still play them. Right. But, like sure. a couple times in my adult life, like the biggest thing I've gotten out of playing these games um, is the friendships. Uh, so like, sure. I, I don't know, like it's kind of like broad and I don't know like how you separate one moment from the other, but like, like you can throw away the games as far as I'm concerned, just keep the friendships, you know, like <laughs> it's just, this is where my mind yeah. is. Okay. So it's, it's basically like, friendships from every everything you've played whether it be online or in person i guess would be a way to put it yeah absolutely because um you know this is i, I mean i certainly become good friends with with people in altcp randomizer but um it's like the second like earlier in my adult life i was playing some mmos and like i had a group that i you know went on vacation with from mmos too like and i still keep in touch with so like i don't know like it, it's just coming is just that's strangely like probably the the greatest part of the games for me like obviously i love the the puzzle aspects of these games and like the awe you feel sometimes and like a really good story and but like when it comes down to it that's like what i remember from games is those relationships you build along the way yeah i think i think those are super valuable and i think that i think that's a great answer i mean you could have said i have no idea i just said it's a great answer because it's, I mean, it is, it is what it is to you. Like, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not like you're stuck to this forever, but I think that's a great, um, a great thing to draw from, from all this. Uh, well, well, correct. Thanks so much for, for hanging out. And, uh, I guess telling us all a little bit about, about you, um, anything you want to plug or is it just follow you on Twitch and occasionally see you play a rando race? <laughs> yeah. You can follow me on Twitch and maybe if you're, uh, <laughs> lucky you're awake at the right time you'll see me play some random i you know i i don't really have anything to plug um outside of that uh you know watch jim he plays more than i do if you want to get good at rando <laughs> watch him he's like I, I know we're like at the end but like anybody out there that wants to get good at rando like i learned way like six years ago i was learning so much by watching jim and you can still learn so much by watching him so and he plays a lot so there you go watch jim yeah, I'll I'll kind of second that, like even watching Jim now, like casually while I'm working and me thinking, I really wish I could play the casual boots ladder right now instead of work. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's he's always trying to find new tech 
uh, or anything just to to go like a couple frames faster because that's just that seems to be kind of how he is. So um, and he's I guess he's one of the 2017 people as well, right? <laughs> uh, we've been friends for a very long time, and yeah, he's 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 great. And uh, you know, he was so I know we're trying to close out, but like back no back, no don't, yeah floor is yours, man. The, uh, early days of rando like the vast majority of people that had like a large amount of success were well we already talked about like some of them being cheaters but <laughs> like if you were very successful in rando at that point in time there was a good chance that you had a lot of nmg experience um people like right. andy uh ben mike the v uh acmlm like those were the big names in rando and they were like the people with the best nmg times that were playing rando like Christos too. Like, I mean, it's funny when you look back because Christos was one of the top uh, execution players, but his his uh, you know NMG time at at the time was like in the one twenty eights. I think it's hilarious to think about, but it, you know because the game has just come so far, um, right? But um, but then there was Gem, and like Gem was won the entrance tournament, and he was you know having consistently good places in the weekly races, and I'm just like. So like me being the analytic type of person that I am, I'm like, well, if there's somebody that I like me being someone that doesn't know the speed run and ha- doesn't have the execution, if there's somebody I should be watching to learn this game, uh, like I should be watching Gem because Gem like nowadays, like Gem is like top notch execution, too. But he also has a very good way of thinking about routing and stuff that was it's not like unique anymore necessarily. But at the time, like he was a trailblazer in certain uh, ways to think about how to route. And he's still, you know, that's obviously really, really good at it. So, yeah, for sure. So so what I'm hearing there is I need to convince Jim to come on one of these and tell us tell us a little bit about him, too. I That would be great. I would love to listen to that, honestly. All right. I'll 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 see what I can do. <laughs> um, but, but again, correct. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. This was, this has been a blast. Uh, and I hope everybody's gonna have a good time. Listen to it. Yeah, I hope so too. And, uh, thanks for having me. It's, it was a lot of fun. All right. This has been correct on the spoiler log. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to correct story as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. And I do want to say a huge thanks again to Correct for coming on and telling us all about his journey. We do have three more episodes lined up for you guys, and I'm planning to keep the train rolling as long as I can, as fast as I can into the league season when I expect to be a little busier. That being said, next week, we've got Mr. Aaron Snurd coming on the podcast. So come back next Thursday and check out Mr. Aaron Snurd. Until then, hope you guys have a fantastic week. Be sure to cast your vote for Tark Admin, and we'll see you next time.